Welcome back to the Rappi Chatty with the with the the Paulus. This is yeah, uh, episode fifty three. Fifty three. Fifty three. Uh, yeah, still can't believe we're up at this number. Can't believe I'm I'm still turning up for work. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's amazing. I get you know this is we, we really enjoy doing this. Um, it's uh, it's uh, it's really fantastic. It, one of the nice things is you watch something and you just I just wait and see who comes up on the credits and go, okay, that's ah. a name, and I'm going <laughs> to see if I can get them on the show. Yeah, it's and really exciting. It's 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 lovely to pick people's brains, you know, who yeah. do interesting things. Yeah. Which segues nicely into today. Uh, who we got on today, Polly? Ruan Magan. Say that again slowly. Ruan. Ruan. Magan. Magan. Fada is very important. M- on the fa- yes, the, as we found out, the Fada <laughs> is incredibly important. Um, uh, so yeah, fantastic filmmaker. Uh, hugely experienced. So has made so much stuff. Um, not just documentaries. Well, that's more what he's known for but has done a, a, so for example the comedy drama about yeah rec- Wrecking the Rising with uh, Peter Coon and yeah yeah um, so yeah it was, I really enjoyed the chat some uh, yeah some anecdotes I wasn't expecting there yeah there was you'd literally sit there, you'd listen to the man all day yeah, uh, yeah. incredible uh, <laughs> funny yeah. Uh, really 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 lovely guy it's interesting to hear an inside track on the making of Michael Collins. Yeah, I've never actually met anyone who was on. Yeah, because uh, it was a while ago. It's a while ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I suppose it was the kind of well, some people would probably shoot me for this for being inaccurate, but like a really big budget and kind of Hollywood. It was Miramax, wasn't it? Was it Miramax? Or, um, was it? I think it was. But been, I, I, yeah. I could be wrong, but yeah, like this big Hollywood. Huge, yeah. Esque movie, at, which was specifically about Ireland, yeah, and Irish film and Irish filmmakers about yeah. something intrinsically Irish, yeah. So it's great to get like some form of an insight into that. Yeah, the only thing it hasn't I happened since, like, there's been nothing on that scale, really. Not re- not not to the extent where the whole city's taken over, no. you know, you know. In, yeah. So, yeah, it's some really interesting anecdotes. Yeah, uh, and it has a special place in. Irish Ruan didn't hearts. direct Michael Collins, no, we might no. add, but he was, you know, location manager. He was location manager for it. Must have been a crazy job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that's one of those ones. If it comes on, if it comes on the telly, that's it. You're sitting there and, and everybody's watching it. You know, it's like who'll take my place? <laughs> <laughs> there are limits, Michael. <laughs> there are limits. Yeah, there are limits, Michael. <laughs> Mr. Potter Collins. Um, so yeah, so and talking about um, his recent work, the, the Irish Revolution. Yeah, uh, fantastic three-part series um, narrated by Killian Murphy. Yeah, it's yeah. brilliant. So. Yeah, following on from obviously his 1916 uh, documentary series narrated by Na- Liam Neeson as well. So, yeah. And co-directed uh, by Pat Collins, who's one of my heroes, and uh, we are hoping to get him on the show as well soon. So, Brilliant. So, uh, as you, <laughs> as per usual, if you'd like to uh, support F&I, tell your mates about us. Yeah, uh, d- down the disco Tell of a friends. Friday night, your filmmaking friends. Tell them down the disco, <laughs> uh, or you know, uh, follow us, subscribe, share stuff. It all helps. It all helps getting the message out there. Uh, so yeah, thanks, Mel.
Um, hello, everyone. Welcome back to episode... Jesus, what episode are we now, Paul, of the Rap Chat? 53. 53. Good times. Ruan, is that how That's it? Yeah, Ruan. Or Magan. 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 Yeah, Ruan Magan. Gaelic, Gaelic or Gaelic version of yeah, yeah. yeah. I've I've one tattoo, <laughs> really, and it's it's of the father on my A because I spent my whole life trying to tell people it's not Ruan or Ruin or whatever Ruan. <laughs> yeah, it's Ruan because it's a father on the A. So yeah, just a, recently I, I just had it marked on my ankle. Really? Just a line. Just yeah. in case. Yeah. People say it's just a line, but it's not. It's a fodder. No, but the the the, <laughs> all right. the actual fodder. But that's it. Just yeah. yeah that's brilliant. Yeah. Not uh, not spelt out F A D A. No. Just no. Just, just the fodder. Yes, yeah, it's the fodder. It's actually my own one because you can go to the parlor, right, and you you you, you draw it and then they magnify it. Yeah. yeah. They, they enlarge it. Right. And then they yeah tattoo that on. So it's not just a line. It's an actual. It's the. That's yeah, really handy. Line. That's really <laughs> handy at the swimming pool if you lose your key. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, how are you doing? I'm okay. Uh, thanks a million for coming yeah. on. We really appreciate Thank it. Thank you for having me. Um, so, when you're usually when we're making documentaries, uh, it's about stories that are not always, but mightn't be that well known. When you, some of the projects that you're best known for are these huge sweeping documentaries um, say particularly 1916 and the revolution is there did you do you feel the pressure of don't fuck this up <laughs> the whole nation is <laughs> is going to be judging you for this yeah yeah i mean yeah that's true isn't it that is exactly is exactly welcome to the xanax podcast today that's, that's that question done <laughs> yes right, so the, uh, no, how do you if, deal with that well I mean, the, 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 I mean, the important thing to say is that this, it's not just me; it's a bunch. You know, yeah. they're, 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 there's really a team. It's like Keith Walsh is the editor on both those projects you just mentioned, the Irish Revolution in 1916, and then we have producers and we have archive. And, you know, so there's a, there's a team, so that yeah. helps. Um, but yeah, we all feel, yeah, you're, you're, you. It's, it is. If you if you mess it up, if you get the story wrong, or if you insult, say, one. Uh, part of the community that's watching it, or or you, you're not fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's. I mean, certainly, you know, the documentaries have a certain bias, but at the same time, you need to be fair to all the other participants as well. So, you know, that a British person can watch it and feel, yeah, they they kind of got that right. That that is our perspective on it, or yeah. uh, you know, our cousins in the north, the unionist community, that they feel the same. Um, interestingly, then you can't get like a date. Every date has to be exactly right. Every name, every 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 spelling of everything, every every movement, and yeah. then the nuances of the words that you use because we use quite a lot of voiceover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know that every word, not just sentence, is weighed carefully because um, right. you're you're always trying to make room for the viewers to mm. to to enter. Right. A um, massive duty of care, though. Yeah, is required. Yeah. And I should have started by saying congratulations. Uh, <laughs> congratulations. You, you didn't mess it up. You did it. Yeah, w- wonderful, wonderful. The, particularly the last one was amazing. I was like, I have a couple of housemates and we were stuck around the box watching yeah. that yeah. Yeah. Uh, recently. It's kind of that thing. If, it, if it's on, people aren't going to leave, you know. So, yeah. um, it's a funny thing because television has changed, right? We right. don't watch television like that yeah. anymore. No. You don't, you know, turn up on Monday evening at half past nine to watch something. You just no. don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. None yeah. of us do that. Yeah. And here was a thing which went out and, and 450,000 people each week. Really? And, yeah, you know, yeah. And then there was about another 100,000 watched it yeah. and catch up. But, yeah. but, but it, they turned up every week. Yeah. So it's funny. You can actually go back to the traditional way every now and again. Like event television. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's so special when it happens. It's, more, it's almost more special mm. now when it happens. So where do you start with a project like that? Uh, a, a, 
I've 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 I've, I've a lot of notebooks, but right. <laughs> when it, the starting notebook is a very large one. Okay. It's A A three. Right. And uh, I, I I try to don't do it chronologically. Instead, I just put down the first thought anywhere randomly, and the next thought somewhere else randomly, and and. Uh, you know, because the documentaries, both those ones are chronological, and generally historical documentaries, you might break the form a little bit, but it's you know you end up being chronological. It has to be because you're, you're going through history and going started here and ended here. Um, but f- for that reason, I I, I I break the story down the opposite way, so okay. I put everything randomly on a page. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the final page, which might take a week to make, um, is is the essence of what the story is going to be. So that that takes about a week, and that begins. Uh, a process which lasts in a year and a half. Okay. And I've done that about six... I, I know that's the process because yeah. I've done it about seven or eight yeah. times and I have these pages. Right, okay. <laughs> and they're really interesting to look at later because obviously everything changes so yeah. much in the process. Yeah. You talk to 28 or 29 or 30 amazing historians and interview them. You've got you know, the limitations of budget. You've got time scale. You've got all of these sort of things. And then you finish the thing. Then you go back to that page and you go, is it, is it anywhere? Like, mm-hmm. And it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Somehow, yeah. uh, you know, somehow it's... End, like, I, I haven't been rigid in any way, but somehow that's yeah. it, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. So that's it. So a random, a random bunch of thoughts okay. on the thing. And um, so you mentioned kind of collaboration. So when do... And I think with 1960, that was co-directed yeah Pat, yeah, Pat amazing, yeah amazing Pat Collins yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, maybe just tell us about how that collaboration worked well, well Pat it's uh, the, Pat began that right and then uh, and then later on I got involved and sort of edited through the the, uh, the, the edit stage of it okay um, on that project Keith Walsh came in as the editor yeah so we had a bunch of editors and um, but it, it interestingly Keith and I just locked. Suddenly, something happened. It gelled really, really strongly. Right. Yeah. Um, now Keith's a filmmaker in his own right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Keith has directed uh, Apples of Gold, yeah. um, and when all is ruined, once again, which just won the Kerry Film Festival, and he, he won. He also shot it, so he won Best Cinematographer right. in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we, we we laughed on this la- latest project, The Irish Revolution, because. Um, uh, we'd call him Hogan, who's doing the aerials. He's also a director, right. in a way. So we'd like <laughs> yeah. three directors working on yeah, the yeah, project. And yeah. it kind of takes that, yeah. you know. And we're all feeding off each other. I mean, there's no doubt that that collaboration, you need that strength yeah. to take on something like this, you know. Um, that there's, there's, And so Keith Keith ends up, Keith's very meticulous and, and really, really works the archive. Mm. And, and it's quite extraordinary to see him, you know, Again, as I'm weighing up the facts and the story and the narrative, he's weighing up the material. Yeah, um, nothing is accidental. Right. And it takes it takes a long time to edit them. I mean, there might be like ten ten weeks per show per per for fifty minutes, which people would yeah. balk at and think, "My God!" But and and people look at us, "What on earth are they doing? Why is it taking yeah. so long?" Yeah, yeah. Because you're only working with archive interview and a couple of landscape shots. So trying to find a balance between mm-hmm. them, yeah, is yeah. an interesting thing. And it must be like it must be a big part of killing darlings as well and leaving great stories on the floor. I mean, how do you even like is three parts enough? Yeah, I, would, I mean, but then you're you're into what is truth, right? Right. And uh, this yeah. is the big one we all struggle with. So, so at what point is the story we've told about the Irish Revision the definitive story, which is yeah. what we've been commissioned to do? That that's where that's what we're aiming to do. Mm. So you you lose things which are really important to the story but but you lose them so that people can make a, an important connection between three or four different things mm-hmm. um 
So we lost a lot of, for example, in, in the Irish Revolution, the squad is something that we've all learned about in school. Mm. We only mentioned it once yeah. in, in, the, in the documentary. But we did that because too much emphasis is put on that. Mm. Instead, we wanted to reframe the story and make it the story about the that it was, in fact, the story of hundreds of thousands of people yeah. in Ireland. Who, who, and it was that kind of mass struggle yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That, that forced the British... The divisiveness of the circumstances is more important than the individual yeah. subplots. Exactly. So, so you end up then taking some of them out yeah, um, right. yeah. And, but then that's then, then then you end up in danger of not having a narrative at all because you need you need your heroes, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Uh, that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so so and that's partly why it takes so long because you're 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 you you, you take some out and then you start looking at it going hold on we now it's just a, a muddle yeah. so you need to start putting people back into it. Yeah. So maybe Dev is there, but then you don't want to come down either way on Dev because that's contentious. Mm. Um, my grandmother was involved in the Irish Revolution. And her, her uncle was a fellow called Michael O'Reilly, the O'Reilly. So, and my grandmother lived to a very old age. So she was 94 when she died. So I knew her really well. Yeah. And she spent every day put sticking the Irish language into our brains and also getting mm. us to a, to a sort of maybe loathe the British. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was mildly. Didn't really work. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in England. I think it's an amazing place. And, you know, and yeah. it's, it's extraordinary how close we are. But anyway, that was, that was her prerogative. A yeah. different time. A different time, exactly. exactly. But so she, she in her own life like, came to love De Valera and then hate De Valera. Right. And, and um, mm. so you know, that's just one person. But I mean, across the country, yeah. people just feel very... Yeah. So you end up with this hero in the middle of the story that you have to sort of... Tune down and make grey and say nothing about, which is kind of a mental way to be telling a story. But that's that, that's what you have to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then, who is your hero in the Irish? I don't know. It's a question to you, Paul. What, who's the hero in the Irish Revolution? <laughs> Ireland. <laughs> Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I want the to mother Ireland. The cliffs. Yeah. The cliffs. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the trams. <laughs> <laughs> the, the comedy maidens at the yeah. crossroads. Yeah. Um, yeah. I yeah. Um, or is it the viewer? I mean, so, I mean yeah. that's, I'd love to think it is. I'd love yeah. to think that we, you create a lot of space and then they mm. jump in yeah. and they're on going, yeah. that's bollocks, I like that. Yeah. I'm weirdly with this. Wow, I hadn't understood that that way. And that, that is actually an internal conversation you're creating. Yeah, yeah, the Irish yeah. consciousness, I guess. Yeah, I think yeah. the thing that gets has gotten lost, and I think you definitely made an effort to make it come out in the films is... Um, the, the everyday people because there was only really I mean how many people were actually fighting in the Irish Revolution a couple of thousand it's, that was the maddest thing right. so, so, the, so it was made in conjunction with the Atlas of the Irish Revolution which the UCC people had made and yeah. it's just an extraordinary book like yeah. it's massive yeah mm-hmm. um Beautiful. I, I'm probably yeah. the only person who read it twice. Because <laughs> so, yeah. so, it's incumbent upon you, you make nothing, you've got to understand what, what, what they did. And, yeah. and on the second reading, I'm looking, they have all these maps, and the maps, for example, show you how many you know, tides paid in 1833 uh, to the church across Ireland. Mm. And you realise that the people in Connacht have always been godless because there's hardly <laughs> any tides paid. Whereas right. the people down the south of Munster, yeah. they're just so generous. So Dublin, Munster keeps the church going and then it sort of pales up to Connacht. So you've got all these maps and they sort of reveal these, these amazing things about who we are and who we were. And, and at some point I'm looking at the combinants one and, and they're, the big thing about the Irish Revolution, the Atlas, is that they say there was you know, 115,000 men involved in the IRA and there was over 20,000 women involved in coming them on. They found them, they've plotted them, they know the villages, they know the towns. Um, but they then also went into how many combat 
combatants there were. So that's people who were in active service, people who had a gun, mm -hmm. people who might have got involved in, a, in an ambush, an attack on the RSC. May or may not have got involved. Yeah, and then, that's right, may. I did say may. So, and there's only 3,000 of them. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Right. And that's fine, but they hadn't made that into a headline. But I'm looking at going, that's mad, because yeah. there was over 3,000 people involved in 1916. I mean, maybe, maybe, you know, like the official figure is 2,500. But between one thing and another and different, something happened in Galway, something happened in Ashbourne, you're looking about over 3,000 people involved in 1916, which is a complete failure because not <laughs> yeah. enough people turned out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And here we are looking at the Irish Revolution yeah. and only 3,000 people actually got, got arms and got involved in combat. Really? And yet I they won. I thought it was more. No. It was more like 10. No, oh, no yeah. 3,000. Wow. But then, so then what are the others doing? And that's where the winning happens. The winning happens because your 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 train won't run because you're let up because you, yeah. you, you 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 know you you the British sort of bring in arms, put them onto one truck, mm -hmm. and that truck doesn't turn up. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. got it's been diverted well, that, somewhere. Well, everybody right. else clearly was in the pub saying that wouldn't happen in France. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, so yeah, so, so that was kind of the was that your thing that you kind of came away with that you wanted to get across was that or one of the things well, that you kind of learned from it, your research it, well individuals uh, if they come together can achieve a lot yeah mm -hmm. yeah. yeah on social media that's right <laughs> yeah. particularly with podcasts yeah. Keyboard, yeah. that's right yeah no but yeah yeah the collective power, collective yeah. nature and, yeah. um, it's funny you know you might, there was a member like one of the great moments of embarrassment in my life was I, I, I had to fix my wife's bicycle yeah and I went to a bike shop and there was a fellow up there and he was talking to the fellow who owned the bike shop and it was going on and on and on and on and on and on about this protest that they were hoping to arrange in a few weeks' time. I just went on. I mean, I must have been standing there 20 minutes, just yeah. me, the, the, the fellow talking about the protest and the shopkeeper who's just nodding. And finally the, the fellow left and I go up and I go, Jesus, Dan, that, that's I suppose that you have to put up all that shit like running a shop like this. And he just looks at me and goes, it's from small streams. As in big rivers, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I took—I've never forgotten it. Right. The moment of humiliation that I so hadn't realised this. <laughs> if right. you don't talk, if you don't get stuck in, if you don't get involved, yeah, nothing's going to change. Okay. And I think that's the story of the Irish Revolution, and yeah. and you know, or at least it's a valuable take home. Yeah, There's lots of mm -hmm. lots of elements. Um, would you have influence from say other? Documentary makers for this, like, would you be a fan of Ken Burns? Or yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, this is definitely a homage to Ken, Ken Burns, right? right? I mean, it's yeah, like if he hadn't made it, what he did and 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 so, so successfully, yeah, engaged the American public, yeah, no, we we wouldn't be doing this. When we were doing the the other one, the nineteen sixteen one, we were Liam Neeson narrated that. Mm -hmm. Killian Murphy did the Irish Revolution, and we were over in New York doing the voiceover. And Liam, if he does voiceovers, only works in a particular VO company and all they do is VO you know it's America right so it's just, there is a company that just right. does voice over right. okay, yeah. and so, so we're in there and and uh, it's going well and we break uh, for, uh, for for a cup of tea about, about uh, Liam by the way only works uh, he's got three hours of content to, to read but he'll only work three hours a day so, so we do it over four days mm -hmm. and on the first day he leaves after an hour because, or maybe actually it was only 40 minutes because I, I just made a point about his, the Americanness of his accent and whether he'd be comfortable as that, having that on the series considering he's an Irish guy. And that threw him a little bit and then he just got up and left. Right? <laughs> so, so, to be fair to him, he came back the next day with a more... He probably you know, went home and did a bit of work. Yeah, a yeah. more northern. He remembered himself and right, yeah, okay. copped, copped on to himself. Yeah. So that was... Oh, was the producer. <laughs> you didn't take offence. Well, well, the you skilled Liam Neeson, that's amazing. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but, no, um, no. But on the second day, we're there and we take a break uh, and uh, and we go out. Um, and the secretary says, "Oh, you'll never, never leave. Who's here? It's Tom Conti." And I go, "Oh, Tom Conti. God, I remember Tom Conti. Uh, yeah. you know, he's passed 70s. away since I think. Yeah, he's an and actor. He, is he? Yeah, he's uh, an actor from the be very big in the seventies. Okay. Oh, what's he doing? Oh, he's he's narrating Vietnam." Uh, and Ken Burns is here too. And here's this Fuck extraordinary off. thing where we're making 1916 so much as a homage to Ken Burns yeah, yeah, in yeah. the same thing. And he's in yeah. the same room. No. So we met him and it was, that was an amazing day. We wow. told him we were making a homage. He wasn't all that impressed. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Very humble, man. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, right. They, yeah. I think they ended up using Peter Coyote, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because I guess. Yeah. The Peter Coyote is amazing. Yeah. 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 And yeah. if someone's going to yeah. lift their narrator... He's extraordinary. In the middle. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah oh. There's a... Have you ever come across the Masterclass series? Yes. I did the Ken Burns one. It's by far the best. Wow. I'll yeah. check it out. It's yeah. really good. I mean, yeah. it's a few quid. Um, yeah. I think it's yeah, 75 yeah. euro or something. But just... he He's so generous in... You know, it's very hard. When the red light's on. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but, uh, he, like... You know, it's quite notoriously hard to get like sample treatments or you know to look under the hood of how mm-hmm. filmmakers especially documentaries get, get actually get funding but he, he gives out that all away so yeah I mean, well it's one of the reasons why we do this podcast yeah. is to try and lift the hood a bit and figure out how people work you yeah. Know? yeah yeah so actually that might be helpful to talk a little bit about um pitching uh, how you approach that side of things or are you a bit more do you come on get brought on I, can, I tend to get brought on okay. thankfully okay yeah pitching is very very difficult I mean I mean, it's, it's getting easier I realise you just have to be honest about right. what you need do, do you know what my problem with pitching is is that you, you've got so much of your heart in the project otherwise you wouldn't be ready to pitch it yeah and then you pitch it and then for whatever reason it's it's turned down or rejected yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's a lovely word and uh, <laughs> and I find that really difficult I, I honestly find that so so difficult. Yeah, that rejection. I know it's ridiculous, and um, I just can't. And then you know, I mean, you go away and you go, ah, they're wrong, and they don't yeah. understand. But of course, they do understand their audience, mm-hmm. and they do understand what it is they're they're heading for. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, if you make if you make I don't know if you make widgets, and the widgets are good in any other business. You carry on making widgets, yeah. but that doesn't, yeah. that's not how it works in our business. Yeah. So I find, I find it hard. How do you find it, Paul? Oh, it's a punch in the gut <sighs> every time. Like, you know, it's something you have to kind of face. Um, and it's, you kind of get, you do get numb to it mm. the more you do. So like, and you kind of realize for every project you get funded, you've done 10 pitches, you know, or whatever. I don't know exactly. Mm. The ratio hopefully will start to get smaller. Yeah. But yeah, it's but then the, the, and the problem then is that cynicism can creep in, right? Because yeah. you know, if there were sure, that isn't that already there? We're Irish, for God's sake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's part of the coping mechanism. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I don't. That's the that's the thing to try and stave off. I mean, every win that you get, it pushes that cynicism further. It's like a it's like a, an energy bar in a video game, you know, <laughs> it gets depleted <laughs> and then you get a win <laughs> and it goes, goes back, <laughs> <up> to, <laughs> you know, yeah. that kind of way. But yeah. So maybe go back to the start and more innocent days when <laughs> when you were first. Why did you want to start making films? Uh, we, we were having a laugh before we started because I, I have a story. I can tell a story, yeah. but like, I don't know how it all began. Like right. I somehow I just I, I, I do know that when I was lucky enough to get started I couldn't believe I was in this business. I was just utterly 
amazed, <laughs> like pinching myself. Yeah. And I remember thinking... Who left the back door open? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because I had nothing to offer this business. I mean, literally, I was just... I was, I was aimlessly wandering in some, I don't know, God-forsaken direction. Right. Um, and I just happened to get... I'll tell you in a minute how I got on the track. But, yeah. but I remember thinking, Christ, don't mess this up. This is extraordinary. I mean, I literally have nothing to offer other than I have... I can drive. Right? I can speak. <laughs> Uh, you know, I can look at a map. Right? Yeah. You know, these are the things. Uh, I had very few skills. I could write. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. Like with a pen, I don't mean actually write yeah, yeah, creatively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, as in, you can I read could formulate notes. words I on paper. Take notes, yeah. right? <laughs> so this is it. This is all I had to offer. And I'm going. I'm, I'm in the. I'm in the business. Right? So I remember. I mean, I had this thing that every Monday I would ring production managers. It didn't matter every Monday. So like some of them, you know, Tony Dollard is gone now, and Mary Mary Alequin bunch of them, uh, Seamus Byrne, and I would just plague them. Every Monday, they'd know I was ringing. <laughs> it was, it's, if the phone's ringing on Monday morning, it's bound to be ruined. <laughs> really? And that was it. And I did that for years. Yeah. Just to keep working. Yeah. Um, and I sort of climbed up through from, like, trainee, assistant director, location manager, up the system that way. Yeah. So after, and, and at the time, there was a huge amount of movies happening. Right. Um, so it was just, it was a very interesting moment. Like my, the first movie I worked on was uh, Far and Away, Ron Howard, and I was only about six months into the business at that time. Right. Um, and I found myself down in Kerry as, as assistant location manager, whatever that was. But essentially I was, I was in charge of chickens. <laughs> that was, I think, it. And tea flasks. But I got a credit for assistant yeah, location yeah. manager. I'll, I'll, I'll take it that. To the big time. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And... Uh, and then the last big movie, or the last movie, yeah, well, one of those movies that I worked on was I was location manager on Neil Jordan's Michael Collins. Oh, wow. And at that point, you're running a budget of millions, yeah. and uh, it's a massive period piece, working with some of the best filmmakers, obviously Neil Jordan, mm. but Anthony Pratt was the production designer, Chris Menges was the uh, DP, and uh, um, so you're, you know, you're really, really learning and yeah. feeling what it is, what it takes to make a movie on yeah. that level. And was there a buzz and, or a sense of apprehension on the set or what, how did, what was the atmosphere like? Oh, I don't think, I'm not sure it was that great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember day, <laughs> I remember day one of Michael of Collins. Michael Collins. Yeah. It was a Sunday and we had so the VFX weren't weren't such a it was it was a lot more in camera stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, you, you could paint um, things out, but you didn't really do much VFX back then. So so Anthony Pratt had just took over the streets of Dublin and put in awnings, took down all the modern stuff, put up new lampposts, mm-hmm. put cobble mats the whole way down. So I'm thinking of Dame Street. That was our first day shoot, and the shop that they had names. in mind. Yeah, and well, of course, they shut down Dame Street, they shut down George's Street and Grafton Street and up wow. to O'Connell, and O'Connell Bridge. And you have to reroute all this north, all the southbound traffic around the keys. Yeah, which is better be right. good. Like. That's right. Well, it was Michael Collins. <laughs> yeah. you, do, uh, you know, ah, uh, yeah, 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 no problem. Uh, he's very uh, good, yeah, for, me, for <laughs> Mick, yeah. That's right, for Mick, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that was, that was kind of my job. My dad had an amazing team with me as well. And uh, uh, so, so I'd worked very closely with a production designer. And so he had this, he just, he created this, Beautiful vista, which you'd be shooting from. There's a little hill there at City Hall, the top of Parliament Street. And if you can imagine that the first scene, Liam Neeson is, is there and he's creeping into the uh, Dublin Castle. And but the the vista behind him is the whole way down to Trinity College, and it's all been dressed. And I we have keys, like massive, huge, like um, um, Boris Karloff's kind of key sets <laughs> of every single key on Dame Street. We wow. own it, or else there's somebody in there 
who's a key holder. Wow. Um, and, and it's been taking weeks to arrange this, months probably, and the art department have done some of the most beautiful work I've ever. They put awnings up, they put the mats down, they've hung these lights, they have a, a sort of a fake, a, a sense of a fake tram, they've tram lines, all this sort of stuff. And at about five to seven, I'm called to set. Um, and uh, Neil Jordan's there, Chris Menges there, Anthony Pratt's there, the producers are there. Um, and we're told uh, that Chris Menges changed his mind and he wants to shoot the other direction. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the first day of the shoot. Jesus and what's Christ. Is the, sun, the sun is like banging off Christchurch if you head the other way. And it's only a little short. But if we haven't dressed it, it is not dressed. It is completely modern. Um, there's the unit is there, so yeah. we can move the unit. But then we have to move all the cobble mats, move, bring in the art department, put up, the, and the whole thing. And I always wondered why did now it took hours to change it, yeah. and it was changed. There was a crane sitting over the road. I had to go up and turn that myself. So that's that's another story. Yeah. Literally, li- literally, I climbed the crane and, and got it started <laughs> and turned it. What? But, but this is what you do. You're in the movies. <laughs> but I always wondered was Chris just playing with us? You know, did he just want to go? You know, I shot the mission. This is what I do. And let's see how good this crew is. Because mm. the other shot was amazing. Down to... That was yeah. the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. They didn't shoot it. Yeah. That's mad. Yeah. That must have been well, very confusing. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Okay, well, well, to be fair to him, we had the measure of him then. Okay. Right, okay. okay. okay now, now we know where, what we're dealing <laughs> now with. Now we know what we're doing yeah. and what we're dealing with. And, you know, we're going that high. Stay on your toes. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wow, <laughs> that, that was that was a fairly big baptism of fire. Yeah, and then the funny thing is, so then I, at the same time, I teach you have just started, right? And I just have this yearning to make ducks, yeah. or to make or to shoot stuff, just to be involved, yeah, and or maybe not be told to move the unit anymore yeah, <laughs> or something, yeah. just to get stuck in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so so I wrote I wrote I wrote a letter to teach you saying you know talk on the gum. August Kim Gov Shiv Tasnu, Augusta Drahar, Agum Asha Mahan my brother's out in India, and maybe we could make like a video diary. Video diaries were popular at the time of the BBC. Because I didn't think I could do anything else. Like I wasn't up to anything much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could at least hold a camera and he could talk. Right. And he'd be in India. And yeah. that, that that's you'd watch that for thirty minutes, yeah, yeah. maybe, maybe, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And they had no money, so fuck it. Um, so and to be fair to them, <laughs> and they, he's there anyway. He's there anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to be fair to them, they said yes, <laughs> one and, and uh, yes, one, yes, exactly, one flight. That's right. I won't come back either. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so anyway, that was it. That was the first stop. You know, so off I went to India, straight Great. after yeah. after after the Chris Menges experience and Neil Jordan. Yeah. And your brother is a he's. A, well-known writer. And yeah, Moncon McGann. Mon yeah. yeah, he's a real character, an yeah. extraordinary individual. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and you're one to make documentaries. Did that come from? Was there this sense of history in your family from your your grandmother and that? Was that always there? Yeah. Well, this comes to the story now. Okay. <laughs> so I was very sick when I was a kid. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I've always thought this is going to this is going to work. This, this is my this is my origin story, right? Rewind so, begins. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was very sick as a kid, and I, so I stayed at home a lot. And I used to watch a lot of movies, and uh, so all the great westerns and the Ealing comedies, and you know, every now and again, a French film might be on. And but I'd like I watched so many black and white films, and I just loved them. I even started faking being sick so I could stay at home and watch these movies. I didn't have any notion of ever getting involved in it. That, yeah. that just happened by accident. But but that's what I did. I did that for 70 years. But the other thing that would be on is is the, it wasn't movie to movie. There'd be, there'd be a double bill of movies in the afternoon that start around half past one or two. 
And before that, it'd be Open University for two hours. Ugh. And I loved it. Really? I loved Open University. What just, was it? It was sort of like boffins and scientists. Yeah, just yeah. sitting Turn. around with gl- like big glasses, like incredibly big glasses. Yeah. That's what I, I remember when I was like, yeah, Just like huge glasses, like TV screens. They were lectures, yeah, but they'd make docs. I mean, sometimes they'd yeah. have a bit of a budget that go around the world. Sometimes it'd just be a guy in, in the science lab right. or, or point. But I just was mesmerised by Just like, just like gangs of lads were just like playing with metro- metronomes yeah, and that's stuff right. with right. big glasses. So What do we think of that? Yeah. It's imagine, I mean, it's a bit like this world, the podcast world. Imagine just, you know, like eight eclectic people are given two hours of television. Each one gets half an hour each. Yeah. And they just do whatever they want with it. Right. Um, so it was, it was brilliant. And so, so I'd reared on both things, right? right. The, 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 just people telling stories about how mad and wonderful the world was. Yeah. That's the documentary side. And then the feature thing. Yeah. So, um, so somehow both those things came with me yeah. into, once I got into it, you know, so... So, like, I'm still involved in drama. I'm developing a movie with Mark Doherty at the moment about a missionary, an Irish fella wow. in the 70s. Brilliant story called The Trouble with Charlie. Okay. And, uh, and, and, and uh, an amazing experience. We did a comedy drama about the 1916 Rising there yeah. for Chi Cahar. Yeah. So, yeah, wrecking, so the, the rising. wrecking the rising, yeah. which is now on the school curriculum. Brilliant. Yes, my my ch- I've 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 four children, but my youngest, who's ten now, she'll end up having to study no <laughs> wrecking that the rising for, for the junior cert. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, that'll do. So they watch an episode of it, is it? They, they watch the whole series, and then, and then there are questions and workbooks and. Brilliant. Yeah. Oh, they'll enjoy that mm. at least. You yeah. Know, some of the stuff they put on. Better than Peg. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, yeah, you're too young to remember Peg. But anyway. I never did it. No. Peg, did you do it? I heard of it, but I didn't, yeah. didn't know it. Peg's hair, was it? Yeah. She was misunderstood. Right. <laughs> I think. We had Mike Danning, which was good crap. Ah, that's amazing. Yeah. 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 That was good. Did you? Ignore hit term. In the Higgerman cash. Yeah. That's my default. Uh, that was my oral uh, default <laughs> thing. It's basically a <laughs> memoir. Arouse, arouse. Uh, Dahi O'Shea's father is a memoir uh, from basically him growing up in Kerry. Uh, uh, Kerry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dunqueen, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, just having the crack, and then ended up in London <laughs> and Chicago. And wow, yeah, yeah. Just a funny kind of funny story. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about wrecking the rising. So how do you pitch a, a comedy? Oh. <laughs> but again, again, I was brought in to direct it. So, right. so it was James uh, Phelan had um, written it, and Tile Films, great company. Stephen uh, Rook runs. Um, they decided to do it. I, I remember hearing about it in the grapevine, not knowing that I would end up getting called to do it. And I think right. that was the most ridiculous project ever. Like, <laughs> it shouldn't get funded. <laughs> Don't take the Mickey out of the Rising. <laughs> Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I got the call to make a brilliant idea. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> but but so, so so it just so happens I have this great comedy about the Holocaust of your <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well it's sort of funny and it shouldn't work, but it does it really, really does work. Yeah. And Peter Coonan was amazing, the whole cast were brilliant. But James and I the, the writers, we, we started doing this funny thing of trying to make it more historically accurate. Right. Not, not, not to break the humour, but actually make it more in a way to add more jokes to it. So the the thing is to the minute, yeah, exactly what happened in the Rising, and I knew it because I just finished the Rising, the the Neeson thing. So yeah. I was able to go. No, that was Thursday. It was like five o'clock in the morning, right. and uh, and so James responded to this brilliantly. So if you if you watch it, that's a fair reflection yeah. of what happened during the Rising. Except you got three guys in the present going back to mess the whole thing up. Right. Uh, other than that, everything else is accurate. Right. <laughs> right. Or the ending maybe isn't exactly what happened. Either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I find the fascinating thing about this period is. There's a lot of stuff being made, but I never feel like I'm tired of hearing stories about it. Do you? 
Yeah, I don't know what, what's going on there. And, and maybe, like, do we just, are, are we just discovering ourselves now as this generation mm. finally able to go, who, who, who are we? Like, mm. the curtain's mm-hmm. been pulled back, maybe. Yeah. Are we comfortable analysing ourselves? Yeah. yeah. And finally. so maybe in 20 years' time, people won't be over it, like, you know, but yeah. right now we're just at this. But then the an interesting thing is other people around the world are interested in right. Oh, they really are. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what's so going on you've there? You've won, like, PBS awards and so yeah. forth, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this, this, yeah, no, I've been very lucky. Um, so um, how, how... Like, we did a famine documentary about 10 years ago, a drama yeah. documentary, and, and uh, it was produced in association with the Canadians because the Irish went during the famine, and many of them went to Canada. Um, but that, that got huge audiences in Canada, across America, in England, really? and that was ten yeah. years ago. So somehow, I think I don't know what is it about <laughs> us. Is this it just, tiny little island? Mm, you know, it's just so unexpected. Maybe that these little, the yeah, little, the whatever. But I think it's just that impact on. We were the f- first to do it. Like my brother was in Bangladesh, and he said they were very outward-looking people, but they all knew about Michael Collins, yeah. and uh, uh, like they were able to tell him much more than. Much more than our yeah. British cousins will be able to tell us yeah, yeah. about it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's if you come from a small nation, mm. uh, I think Ireland, maybe that's, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's a David Goliath thing. Mm. Yeah, no, very much the same experience when I was in South America. I mean, I'm in the quite literally the arsehole of nowhere, and they know about. The, the, you know the rising, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's sh- well, for, well, they wouldn't speak to me first, and then once I, you know, uh, distinguished the, the, that I wasn't English, English. Yeah. then all of a sudden, then the, the English was a lot better. Uh, their spoken English was a lot better, and yeah. they, they knew a little bit more. I was incredibly surprised. Yeah, my, yeah. my brother Moncon and I, we, we made I don't know, about forty, fifty documentaries for Tichy Gahar, and they, they involved us just going randomly around the world. Is which that is, man? Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of them, wow. and. Um, and, and we'd, so we'd choose a place and we'd kind of figure out a journey. And then the only thing, we, our main aim was to celebrate the human race right. uh, in all its guises. That was the, that was the brief. Yeah. So we go to South America and we end up in a town called Neva, which is the very bottom of Colombia. And Colombia at the time was a little bit more dangerous than it is now. <laughs> Far from all that, uh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and there was a big protest going on. So we came in on the bus. So we had no money. So we would travel by bus, right? Backpackers. Um, and we go through the town bus and I go, oh my God, we got to film this because this is real. This is, this, is the, this is the edge that we were hoping to yeah. find in Colombia. Neva's right down the bottom, so we need a day left in Colombia. So I wanted to get it, right? Yeah. So we, we get to our, our awful hotel, dump everything we have that's, that's precious. I should give it to the manager because the, the place we, you couldn't lock the doors. And we go back into town with our equipment and start filming the protest. But instantly we become the focus of the protest. Uh, people think we're Americans, we're the media, we're everything that's wrong with the world. And they start shouting at us and hitting us. And then seconds later, we're pulled apart from each other and all the equipment is taken from us. Like everything is pulled off us and you're being lifted and now you're in the middle of the whole, you know, you've become, well, I don't know what, you, you know, your father to, to, to people's anger wow. and ire. And I'm sort of going, like, how the, how the hell do we, you know, what do we do? What do we do? Passports are left in the back of the hotel. Can't say we're Irish. They think we're American. I, you know, there's nothing. I can't speak Spanish. Moncon speaks a little Spanish, but he's now about 50, 60 feet away from me in the middle of a massive crowd. Um, so I'm going, what do I do? What do I do? And, and I was kind of proud of my involvement with the, with the Michael Collins film. And long, well, even though we did have mobile phones back then, but we also had another form of communication, which was the standard telephone phone, right? Right. And 
uh, you had call boxes in, in, in town and you wouldn't use coins. They had little cards. You got a like phone card, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm explaining this in detail for the younger audience out there <laughs> yeah. who don't know because I'm a very old person, right? So, so, so and, and sometimes these like stamps, these, these call cards might be themed. And I'd found one that was themed with the Michael Collins film. So Liam Neeson was on it. And he's up there, that famous poster was fist in the air, Liam Neeson punch in the air. And I'd kept that in, oddly in my breast pocket. Just shows you how, how much I love making that film. Yeah. And, or proud of it, I suppose. And uh, so I remember this. I go, oh, so get my hand. I can't because I'm being held and by, by many, many people. But I struggle, put my hand into my top pocket, pull out this thing and go, look, because it's got era on it, Ireland. I go, look, Irlanda, Irlanda, Irlanda. And one of them goes, oh, Miguel Collins, Miguel <laughs> Collins. <laughs> That's magic. You are free to go. <laughs> Sorry, Paul, to, just to your story. Oh, magic. They just want one, one image and they, they know who we are, they know ah, who we're about. Wow. Yeah. And that was it. Mm, that's it. Where equipment came back. <laughs> Carry on. Come, come for dinner. As you were. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's great. I've heard that's the best, like, Irish passport story. I know it wasn't a passport, but, you know, just being Irish, being your passport story. That's, that's incredible. incredible. <laughs> and uh, how did the film turn out? Or the that's it now. Finish the podcast. That's yeah. it. We'll wrap up. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> we made 53 episodes. That was it. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, it all worked out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. He's yeah. here. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There he is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, have there been many of those moments when you've been in foreign countries? and A, f- a few. A few. Okay. I mean, I mean I'd mean, i rather focus. I'll say the word. I don't mind talking about them. But, yeah. but you'd rather focus on the, on the countless times people just help you. Yeah. You turn yeah. up with a camera anywhere in the world and yeah. people stop doing what they're doing and they will just, they will just uh, yeah, focus on you and enable you to, to tell their stories. And there's a funny thing there I never understand. You probably know more about it, Paul. As a filmmaker, people, like we, there, there's a service that we're yeah. providing. There, yeah, yeah. There's a, it's a, it's a, ta- it's a. Yeah, and it hasn't, I haven't really found that it's faded. You might expect it to fade a bit now that everyone has mm. a camera in their pocket. I still think mm. there's, there's a reverence a ma- yeah, for filmmaking. A, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, there's a respect for, yeah. you know, there's a respect for the trade, you yeah. know, in the general and, populace. And it's like, the ta- magic of it is respected. Yeah, like we were, we shot a film in Lesbos uh, when the boats were coming in, the refugees. There, you know, we were worried about sicking cameras and fe- people's faces and that kind of thing. But we didn't, we didn't really need to worry. You know, people wanted, they, they were like, tell our story, tell our story, kind of thing. You know, so yeah, that's that's what I've found. Paul's a filmmaker as well. Yeah, well, I haven't shot uh, in some of the far-flung places you guys have. But yeah, uh, people are... Look, the generosity of strangers thing. You know, we all have been both sides of that. We have helped someone uh, or have been incredibly uh, well looked after. So, yeah. yeah. And more so, uh, you know, if you're... Well, primarily you get asked if you're making love-hate. You know, yeah. <laughs> in yeah, Dublin, yeah. but yeah. generally speaking, people are incredibly helpful. Yeah. You know? um, just interested to talk about going into uh, civil war kind of centenary, and um, there's a lot of talk about, oh, how do you tell that story? Because it's so bitter. Have you thought about that much? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's kind of, maybe it's not that complicated. Maybe, right. maybe, maybe you just like, the revolution was televised, so mm. there's, as you saw in the Irish Revolution, there's a lot of interviews with people yeah. who survived, and there's, an, there's 
plenty available. Yeah. But um, you just just let both sides speak mm. as they as they need to, and yeah. um, tell the story clearly from both. Both, both sides of it. It's actually not that poisonous at all, I think. Do you not think? No, I don't think so. I, th- mm. I think people are ready. I think it'll, it'll be definitely lancing many boils across yeah. the country because it, it is still yeah. current yeah. in parts of uh, parts of Ireland. Yeah. The, the, the bitterness still exists. But, but to just put it out there in the open, yeah. it's going to be a huge service to that because, I mean, it really, you know, it was over... I just wonder how necessary... Like having 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 looked at it in the way I have, I wonder how necessary the civil war was, and I wonder mm. if it was a failure of leadership um, by mm. Michael Collins, by De Valera, by all the others who were respected at the time, because they knew, yeah, they knew what was available, and the North was not available, and that was very clear from 1912, yeah. 1914, definitely from 1917, from the Convention Trinity College, the North was not available, yeah. mm. and yet they fought a, a civil war. Yeah. Over the north, yeah, and these the political leaders should have explained to the people more clearly that that just wasn't a go. Or yeah. no go. and then De Valera, I don't understand because he knew more than anybody why he wouldn't accept it. Yeah, um, he's never explained it. We don't know. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, the reasons are like my my grandmother would have would have been one of those. I mean, she ended up in prison. Uh, she was a, one of the revolutionaries. She went on hunger strike three times. She was hunger strike for thirty three days. You know, she she involved yeah. in, in in shootouts against the civil war. She per- apparently killed a civil war soldier. You know, yeah. so my grandmother's absolutely so. I'm I'm condemning her as well as all those. Yeah. But but yeah. but then the other side were so brutal um, yeah. in, in so how they responded yeah. Yeah. to that, and they they didn't try and reach out the hand of friendship at all. They no. just went to war with them, yeah. with their own people. This is the, this is the, the state, the free state side. Yeah. So the whole thing was, it was contaminated by a lack of leadership. Yeah, and it wasn't inevitable. I think I think with this one more so than the others, I think there's going to be a lot more new information, a lot more surprise. I think people are going to be surprised by what they learn mm. more so than the revolution. I think because yeah. we're we were taught the revolution. Yeah. We weren't taught the civil war. Like I, I think we'd be amazed at the stuff that comes out. Like that there was a six month period before the war started. To know that it didn't. I, I think you've hit the nail on the head that there wasn't. And then yeah, the thing that surprises me is you know that how many was there? This free state executed seventy five yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. Was that that was more than yeah, yeah. Uh, nineteen sixteen. You know, a lot more. Yeah. It's, yeah, mm. it's heavy. It's heavy. Yeah. It's ugly. Is what it yeah. is. And you Sh- shades of Brexit, you know. <laughs> yeah, history yeah. repeating itself. Obviously, mm. you know, you don't want to, the, the UK to go to the, to those extremes, but but it is that lack of leadership. Yeah, it's like you know, we take right pride then. out of the equation. You look at what's happening. I mean, there were just the MPs in Britain were warned not to go home <laughs> uh, without a, without without being accompanied. They, yeah. not to go out in the streets without being accompanied, and and you could see you could see Britain. Like some people in Britain may be going to more extremes yeah. over this, um, which is exactly. I mean, that, that's what happened in Ireland. Uh, Collins comes back. We the treaty doesn't give us freedom, but it gives us the freedom to achieve freedom, yeah. which is exactly what Theresa May's argument is on on the Brexit. It, well, yeah. I got the treaty. It's not maybe perfect, but it gives us the the freedom to achieve Brexit. Yeah, and um, and her the country's dividing in extreme ways. Yeah, you yeah. know. Now look, this, they're probably more sensible than we were at the time, but yeah. But you just and, and they don't, you know that Ireland was was armed as well and just coming out of a, an armed struggle. Mm. So mm. you know that's yeah. one difference. Do you find because you obviously have you're a filmmaker, so you're not a historian, but you for a certain period of time you're 
completely immersed in these things. So does does it affect your worldview? Yeah, makes. I, I think I, we talked about cynicism earlier. I'm, yeah. I'm not becoming cynical, but I'm becoming angry. Right. Yeah. At just how how we fail to learn anything yeah. and just continually repeat the same. You know. Has it ever been any different though? Perhaps not. No. I mean, that is just the way of the the nature of the human condition, mm. isn't it? It's, but it's it's really shocking. I, m- I remember at the beginning when I started like. 30 years ago I used to write things called like the wonder, a wonderful world or go out and celebrate and we did with the Moncon <laughs> yeah right. well we did and there's yeah. so much to celebrate Yeah. but the problem when you become more and more focused on telling because the, the interesting stories are only the, the dark stories right it, it, yeah. it's very yeah. hard to, you know so, so that that colours your world view right. so yeah um, I do remember being being having a smile though <laughs> Long ago, I was happy. I was happy once. <laughs> Way back when, I treasure, I treasure those moments. Good times. Uh, well, what's your favorite thing about being a filmmaker? Wow, uh, two things. The the, the beginning is every time you start a project, it's just fantastic because you're full of fear that you won't be able to do it. At least I am. I, I yeah. never believe I can I can pull it anything off. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just constant self-doubt and you're wrestling with that but then but then there's also maybe maybe I could and maybe what might it be and what's going to emerge that kind of fox ears moment you know yeah. where it's like yeah and then, you know. and then the other is the is the moment um I mean that's I used to love like I have I have I have a habit now of, of at particular junctures in the process because because you never really ha- get reached the end of a film it just keeps that's motoring not, then it's the never finished. Then it's delivered <laughs> Then you know time passes and then it gets broadcast. So I, I have I have a ritual where where perhaps at the end of the edit or if I finish a script or something, I go down to the the, the pub, I get a pint, I sit there, look at the pint, and I drink the pint, and go home. Right? I just have that thing. So I remember it's your Paul Sheldon cigarette kind is of it, thing. Is it, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, so, so I've learned to do that, and that at least creates some kind of logic or structure on the time. But the other favorite moment is when they get when 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 the film gets broadcast. And and it's because because they're all about the viewers. I mean, that's the only reason you're doing any of it. At least yeah. that that's all I care about. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have anything particular to say. I'm more interested in what what gets what sparks for people when they watch the thing. Um, and so that's really interesting. And uh, you know, sometimes they won't like what you've made. Sometimes they like what you made. That's that's both are interesting. Both yeah. are interesting. Yeah. And uh, you, but you're trying you're trying to stir the firmament. Yeah. Mm. Brilliant. Well. We could chat all day, but we know uh, you have to head on. So uh, <laughs> thanks so much for coming in. Uh, that was brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. good pause. Cheers, mate. Good. This is Chris Fitzgerald from a podcast called Write Stuff. Just letting you know that if you're interested in reading or writing or just listening to interviews with interesting people, tune into Write Stuff and hear interviews with novelists, poets, songwriters and people involved in the writing and publishing industry. Past episodes are with the likes of Colm Tobin, Donald Ryan, Liz Nugent, Emer McBride, Michael D. Higgins. So listen in. Write Stuff. <laughs>